ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the studio, as I have been all of this NFL season, by the one and only Minnesota Jack. How are you, Jacko? I am doing very, very well. Uh, as every week goes by, the stakes start getting higher and higher. For some teams, they get lower and lower because they keep losing and they're not going to get into playoffs. But for some teams, the stakes get higher and higher. Um, so, and and another week of good football. I feel like th- there's been some disappointing, maybe prime time games and some teams that have been disappointing. But I don't know about you, but I feel like overall so far, season's been pretty damn good. It's been a great season. I think it's been a great season. There's been new powers surged to the top. It would have been boring to me if we had just the Rams be good again, you know, the the Bengals be obviously good again, you know, Green Bay be dominant again. It, it could have been really boring. Tampa Bay, if they were just a dominant superpower, things have not gone as expected in some regards. Um, the rise of the the two East divisions, the AFC East and the NFC East, where currently mm. every one of those eight teams is above 500 and vying for a playoff spot. Um, but then there's been unexpected rises to power too. Um, uh, so, Like Miami being the top of yeah. its division. But then you've got classic powers too, Jacko, the Kansas City Chiefs dominating their division, Um, not as expected. Your team, the Minnesota Vikings, life got better for them as well. The the, the Packers well and truly screwed now, um, in essence, at four and eight out of the running. That division is now sewn up well and truly for the Vikings. So good spot to be. We've got a lot of football to get into, and there's some good games. Um, Let's start it off talking um about the let's start with the bengals and the tennessee titans this was in the early slate of games that you and i watched um out of revenge opportunity for tennessee after they lost um a close game on a field goal at the end to the Bengals in the playoffs last season after the Titans were the number one seed and they had Cincinnati come into their building and upset them. Close game again. Score was 0-0 after the first quarter. It was 10 apiece at halftime, but it was the Bengals who held the Tennessee Titans to just two field goals in the second half while adding a field goal and a touchdown of their own, a T. Higgins uh, catch off Joe Burrow's pass that unlocked a 20 to 16 victory for the Bengals who moved to seven and four. They stopped Tennessee running in this game, Jacko. They held uh, Derrick Henry to 17 carries, 38 yards. Now he had 79 yards on three catches, one long 69 yard rumbling run, but they took away. The, the run, and without it, Tennessee are a much different team. And the Bengals triumph. What were your thoughts coming out of this game? I was pretty disappointed in Tennessee. Uh, I think over the last few weeks, the Titans, I thought, were emerging as 
possibly one of the you know the teams that could really have a a race against the Chiefs for the for the one seed that would maybe go really deep in into the playoffs. You know they've got Derrick Henry, they've got a you know a strong feisty defense, they're well coached, yada yada yada. And going into this game, I was like, you know, Cincinnati's not great against the run. Tennessee is great at running the ball. Surely this is what happens. But credit to Cincinnati. Like you say, they they just stopped the run. They just stopped the run. They did so well in containing Derrick Henry beyond, you know, that that big that big pass to Derrick Henry um in the game. Beyond that, he was pretty well contained by Cincy's defense. So they should be really proud of themselves that they won a tight, close game, you know, to one score game. I felt like for most of it, it was pretty competitive. I think in the end, Tennessee just kept wasting their opportunities. Um, so Cincinnati, I feel like started the year pretty rough and they haven't quite gotten back to the form of last season, but they're just doing enough. And you wonder if they're one of those teams that, you know, if they can win their division, maybe they do something in the playoffs, you know, with Joe Byron, if, if they can get healthy. Whereas Tennessee, I don't know. Sometimes you can overreact a little bit and maybe this is a bit of a one-off and, you know, they'll continue to run the ball really well. But it's a little concerning that, you know, the, the thing that Tennessee does really well is run the ball and they weren't able to do that. And it's not the first mm. time they haven't been able to do that this season. And so you just wonder, like, is having a tough coach and a great running back, like, is that enough to really compete in the playoffs? I feel like you might need more than that. Um, they felt a bit exposed, t- Tennessee. Yeah, no, I agree. I was really disappointed. Obviously, I took the Titans to cover two and a half points as underdogs. Um, they lose by four. So that's a, a red mark in, in the column in the Sicko spreadsheet for me. And I was disappointed because this was – a bit of a proving ground for me. Um, they'd played the Kansas City Chiefs tough, which I really rated. Um, but, you know, I, I spoke to you after the game. I, as soon as the, the game was over, I said, Tennessee isn't for real. Now, that might seem harsh to people, but they haven't proved anything to me in terms of really being able to go and beat the best teams in the league. Um, they, 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 These are where their wins have come. Against the Raiders... At the Colts, at the Commanders, against the Colts, at the Texans, at the uh, against the Broncos, and at the Packers. Now, none of those teams, I would say, uh, basically none of those teams are in playoff contention outside of the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders is their best win, and I believe that was when Carson Wentz was still playing and the Commanders hadn't really figured anything out. So what's their best win after that? I, I guess the at the Packers who are four Green and eight, Bay, maybe. Yeah, and, and and so I just go. This was a real opportunity for me. It was a revenge factor game. We're going to learn a lot more next week as well. They go at the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get to talking about the Eagles because they don't look like they've slowed down to me um, at all, particularly on the fucking ground. Um, they've still got trips to the Chargers. They've still got to play the Cowboys. Um, they've got two games against the Jags. So look, I think Tennessee will blind, you know, they can blindly stumble into this division title very easily. Um, the, the division isn't that good unless the Jags make a surge. Um, so 
yeah, disappointing. Traylon Burks looks like he's coming along, but they are so reliant, I think, on stopping the run. Sorry, on being able to run the ball. If this team doesn't run the ball, they just look so different. Um, whereas Cincinnati are, are really dynamic. Even without Jamar Chase, they're still able to throw the ball. They can run the ball without Joe Mixon. You know, Samaj P. Ryan has done a decent enough job. You know, he had a total of 93 yards um, on 21 touches. So he did enough. They do enough, this Bengals team, and they're dynamic enough to do it. And Joe Burrow at quarterback makes a big difference. I didn't think Tannehill played badly for the Titans by any stretch. Um, but without that run game, they're just very, very different. Um, I was trying to have a look, too, at the you know, the drive charts. They missed a field goal, the, um, the Titans. They're, they're you know, just on near halftime. And their game ended like this, punt, punt, field goal, field goal. They didn't take advantage and score touchdowns when they needed to. So um, credit to the Bengals, big win. And these are the wins they got last season that sort of helped stoke that playoff run. Um, they, they're not looking brilliant, but at the same time, they're 7-4 and four and well in that AFC North. Let's pivot Jacko and talk about the Chicago Bears and the New York Jets. Um, this was an interesting game. Um, no Justin Fields for the Bears, and the Jets put a whooping on them. 31 to 10. You had the over 38 and a half in this game. So cha-ching! It cashes on the sicko spreadsheet. Oh, yes. Um Hilarious game. I'm somebody who roots for hilarity and chaos a lot of the time. And there was nothing funnier to me than because I'm a sick person. I'm a sick man uh, with a sick sense of humor. There was nothing funnier to me than watching Zach Wilson chew gum and get pelted with driving rain on the sideline. He didn't even dress for the game. It was Joe Flacco who was the backup. And Zach Wilson standing there, grim-faced, watching... Mike White turned into Joe Montana um, <laughs> for the Jets, throwing 22 of 28 for 315 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a passer rating of 149.3 as the Jets' offense looks as dynamic as it has all fucking season. Um, what were your sort of takeaways coming from this game where the Jets – that this was the best the offense has looked all year. And that's probably an easy thing to say when you're playing against the Chicago Bears, who are softer than rice pudding on defense. Well, to start with the the Bears, the, the question I had about this game was, what was Chicago's offense without field? Right? And how much of this sort of resurgence of the last couple months where, you know, I think over the last month, there was something like the fifth most points in the league, like, They've started to really become something on offense. And so without Fields playing, the question was how much of that is Justin Fields? How much of that is the quarterback? Maybe there is something. Maybe they've got some playmakers. And early, and I mean very early, didn't last very long, but early I was like, oh, maybe they've got something, you know, like maybe they can just run the ball. You know, they got Chase Claypool. He made a really great catch in that first quarter. Like maybe 
Chicago could just eke out a tough win against the Jets, but very quickly the gap between these two teams emerged as deep and wide as you can imagine. And and Jets just continued to pile it on. Um, again, like you're saying, if there's any opportunity to pile on a team, it's against Chicago and in, in that defense. But you got to do it. you got to actually go out there and, and do it. It's another thing to assume you can do it um, and joke about it. It's... Um, the question is, can you actually go out in the field and do it? And they and they did. Mike White looked probably his best game of his career. I know he's thrown for more yards in a game before, but no turnovers, really efficient, 300-odd yards. He just looked he looked comfortable and looked aggressive in the right way. But I think more important than anything, it looked like the teammates around him wanted to be around him. Like yeah. he was, you know, going up to guys on the sideline, shaking them in support, like saying, let's go. He seemed like a good, not only did, did he seem like he was supporting his teammates, but it seemed like his teammates were supporting him. Like he was throwing touchdowns. The sideline was, was yelling. Joe Flacco was happy for him. Like it seemed like it was his team. If you were watching this game for the first time, you would assume that Mike White is the starting quarterback because of the way that this team gets around him and the way he gets around his team, but it's actually, or at least it was Zach Wilson's team. Although you could argue maybe it was never Zach Wilson's team. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was just, I don't know if you can do it while we talk. I don't know what your computer situation or phone situation is there. Um, I was trying to bring up Zach Wilson's game last week. I wanted, I wanted the Jets drive chart from last week. They played the Patriots. Was it? I think. Jets and Patriots was that his last game? Nine of twenty, yeah, nine of twenty-two. Um, I would love to see what the drive chart is because this is how the Jets' drive chart went today, and we're really excited because Jets went seventy-five yards on nine plays for a touchdown, and the Bears responded going nine plays, seventy-one yards for a field goal. The Jets had to punt, and the Bears went seventy-one yards, nine plays for a touchdown, and the Bears were up, and you're thinking, holy shit, this is going to be a fun shootout. But after that. The Bears went punt, punt, end of half, punt, 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 downs, interception. The Jets, on the other hand, went a 10-yard play, a 10-yard drive that was a turnover on downs. Then they went touchdown, field goal, punt, touchdown, touchdown, missed field goal, end of game. And these were the lengths of drives, Jacko. They had a 75-yard drive to start the game, a 57-yard drive, a 78-yard drive, a 53-yard drive, a 79-yard drive. They're just the biggest drives of the day. In between that, they had a few smaller ones. But Mike White was able to put together long, sustained drives. They, the running game looked good. They put up 466 total yards, Jacko. Like, this, this team, and we're going to have to wait and see a little bit with the Jets because they were playing the Chicago Bears, who, who have a soft defense okay now we're really happy for the bears you know in terms of you know what they've got cooking in justin fields but the, the defense sucks it is not a good defense it is a really bad they they it was already a struggling defense and then they traded away two of the best players on that defense exactly the, the sterner tests are waiting for the jets under mike white because they go at the vikings at the bills against detroit who have improved um They've also got 
the Jags, and then at Seattle at Miami. So the, the big test, four of their last six games are on the road against really good teams who are all pushing for playoffs. Did you have that drive chart for, for Zach Wilson last week? What were the lengths I of do. drives and yardage? Indeed. What did they do last week? This is this is just the game. This is Zach Wilson in a nutshell. Okay. Six-yard drive, punt. 13-yard drive, punt. 46-yard drive, entered a field goal. Oh, all right. 23-yard mm. drive, punt. Eight-yard drive, end of half. Negative six, punt. Two yards, punt. Seven yards, punt. Negative 11 yards, punt. Zero yards, punt. Three yards, punt. And 12 yards, punt. So they no, could not move the ball. So no 50-plus yard drives in that game. No. But they had five Only one with Mike White. Only one drive. Only one drive lasted, sorry, two drives lasted more than three minutes. The rest are sub-three-minute drives. And what's crazy is Mike White had a four and a half. He had a 78-yard two-minute drive. Four plays, two minutes, 14, 78 yards, touchdown in the second quarter. So Wow. I'm interested to see how this goes. There were some interesting chats I was having with people online um, about Zach Wilson and people going, you know, oh, will he be cut? You know, will he be traded? A cut's out of the question. For anyone out there who's thinking maybe the Jets should just release him or cut him, he's 35, I think I remember it's 35.8 or 35.4, whatever it is. It's 35-something million-dollar contract. It's a four-year deal. It's entirely guaranteed. All of that $35 million is totally guaranteed. If you cut him this year, it's a $28 million cap hit. If you cut him next year, it's a $20 million cap hit. If you cut him um, the year after, it's an $11 million cap hit. The Jets are not cutting him. Um, I also struggle to see how they're going to find a trade for him. My prediction here, Jacko, and we talked about it on the last podcast, Zach Wilson's career as a Jet is not over. This was a benching for me. Uh, it was an attitude benching. I think they are actually quite happy to, to just roll with Zach Wilson and be like, we're going to live and die by his struggles on the field. That's okay. He can go 9 of 22 against the, the Patriots so long as he takes accountability for it. That, to me, was what sealed his fate of being benched. Um, because I think you saw that in the previous Patriots game where he just threw hideous interceptions and they never benched him. I do not think Zach Wilson's Jets career is over. I think this is a learning opportunity for him. Now, if he doesn't learn, then his Jets career is over. And he's going to have to wait for Mike White to play badly. The, the thing for me is I don't think you're going to have to wait that long because I, I, as much as I enjoy watching Mike White play, it's a very different thing. If you look at his career, he's been very up and down. Last season, he had four starts. There were two good ones and there were two bad ones. And so I think we could see this for, for, for a couple of weeks. The Vikings have kind of soft coverage. So I think Mike White can still throw potentially on the Vikings. But the, I think the Vikings pass rush is dangerous. I think they can make plays. So don't be surprised if he gets picked off a couple of times against the Vikings. But then, you've, then you're going at the Bills. You've got to play the Lions, who are pretty fierce. Um, you've got to play at... 
the Seahawks. You've got to play at the Dolphins. There's going to be chances, in my opinion, for Zach Wilson to start again. If he doesn't start again, it's going to be because he hasn't fixed his attitude. They haven't seen an improvement in, in his leadership and how he's responded to this benching behind closed doors. But it's not, a, it, they're too financially invested in him, in my opinion. Um, and his attitude is currently too toxic to trade him and you can't cut him. So, you know, and the they, difficulty too with mm. the Jets situation right now is it'd be a lot easier if they were four and seven. Because yeah. then you go, all right, we'll just we'll we'll fight through it. But the fact that they are in playoff contention, yeah. possibly even divisional contention, yeah, it becomes a lot more difficult. Because while I agree with what you're saying as a general idea, I wonder if in practice, like, it was going to get difficult. I don't know. They're going <laughs> to yeah, push like through they, it. They're going to they get yeah. They're going to have to win games. They're going to want to win games. And so I guess it's still sort of related to what you're saying in that if Mike White continues to play well, they probably will continue to um, play Mike White. But I would say in my sort of judgment of it, it's, it's a little different. It's more like if they continue to win with Mike White, Mike White will start. I don't necessarily think it's more about Mike White. It's more just like, if we just keep winning, we're not going to ruin that stability. But if they lose some games, especially if it's because of Mike White throwing interceptions, then, yeah, they probably go, well, let's at least try put back in the guy yeah. we're financially invested in, the guy that probably has more, like, probably has a higher ceiling, theoretically. Zach Wilson, you could imagine him being a far better quarterback than Mike White, even though right now, disregard the attitude stuff. Yeah. Based on that game, you can't say that, Zach Wilson's a better quarterback than Mike White. Um, mm. Obviously, that's not how you look at the NFL. You look across the player's career. But this season, Mike White's been the better quarterback. So I reckon, yeah, I reckon they stick with Mike White until they lose. And yeah. if they lose, they probably go back to Wilson. Yeah, no, that that's, that's fair. And so maybe the path is a little narrower for Wilson in terms of even if they lose with Mike White, if Mike White plays well and they lose, you're not putting Zach Wilson back in. You know, they, they, they probably have to lose mm. and Mike White play poorly. I don't think they're going to Joe Flacco, put it that way. I think they see Flacco as, yeah. I think you said it, he's kind of a, a QB coach. As much as Flacco says, I think I can still be a starter in this league, that's great. There's a lot. Kurt Warner seems to think he could still be a starter in this league. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know... I don't think they're going to Flacco. It's down to White or Wilson. Um, and look, Mike White had a great last two years in college. He played for Western Kentucky in 2016 and 2017, threw for 63 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, eight and a half thousand yards. You know, it's this guy isn't like a chump. He can play, you know, so who knows? But I just, you're definitely not cutting him. They're going to be an interesting position if they need if they feel they needed to try and trade him next year because you, you need an opportunity to rehabilitate his image in order to get trade value. So that's mm. why I think his Jets career isn't done at this point in time unless they just like trade him away for absolute peanuts. But again, you know, 
you might still be paying his wage. And do you want to pay? Yeah, I, I, I just, they're in a difficult position. Um, but ultimately, winning is the best they're, position. They're in the in, opposite so. position. They, they seem like they're in the opposite position um, on, on the spectrum to the Packers, where the Packers are right now, where I feel like the Packers are in a good position right now in terms of evaluating their future and seeing what they do with in, in that quarterback room, mm. um, courtesy of their record um, and just, yeah, where they're at. They're, they're, they've kind of placed themselves inadvertently actually in a really good spot to see what the next few years look like. Whereas the Jets, yeah, it's there's almost no way to win because, like you say, the only way they get any real trade value out of them out of him is if they re- rehabilitate his image. But if they're able to fix his image, then he probably starts with the Jets because that seems yeah. to be the issue with him. Is that so? Yeah, there there seems to be no reality. So in that way, I would definitely would agree. Is that like his Jets career is probably not over in the sense that. Mm. He probably either starts for the Jets or doesn't start for anyone. Correct. Yeah, he's a, he's he's still a Jet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah, you 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 just invested in him. You know, at least for next exactly. yeah. next season. I just don't see how you trade him, how you cut him. It's not. And you know, who's to say? You just don't know. He could come back from this different. It could be a learning opportunity. Here's a young dude. All these things are possible. You know, Geno Smith is a top ten quarterback this year. So, you know, anything yeah. anything is possible. <laughs> um, let's, let's pivot then. Speaking of Geno Smith, let's go and talk about uh, his Seattle Seahawks team who played in one of the most um, entertaining games from the weekend. They had the Vegas Raiders, the three and seven Vegas Raiders traveling in to Seattle. It was loud. Uh, in Seattle, and this was a fascinating game, Jacko. It started really poorly. The Raiders got the ball. Derek Carr threw an interception on the very first play. The Seahawks go straight down, get a touchdown, two-play, 12-yard touchdown drive. The Raiders get the ball back. They march it, 11 plays, five minutes, 75 yards for a touchdown. The Seahawks are forced to punt, and you're like, ooh, Raiders are going to maybe – get the ball and go back down again. Two plays later, Derek Carr throws his second interception of the game. That's when it just gets wild after that. But the, the, the Seahawks go field goal, field goal, goal, interception, touchdown, end of half, touchdown, punt, fumble, touchdown, punt, punt. The Raiders go punt, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, punt, downs, touchdown, end of half, missed field goal, and an 86-yard one-play Touchdown run by Josh Jacobs in overtime to win it 40 to 34. The Raiders stopped Seattle running the ball, 65 yards on 23 carries for the Seahawks, but they couldn't stop Geno throwing it. 27 of 37 for 328, two touchdowns and a pick. The Raiders ran it well themselves, 283 yards and mm. 40 carries. Josh Jacobs got 229 of those and two touchdowns on his own on 33 carries, and Derek Carr did enough. He improved vastly after those first two interceptions. What were your takeaways from this fucking insane game in Seattle? 
it was just crazy. So much was happening. It was almost hard to keep track of all of the, the turnovers and the, the, the crazy events. And, um, and like Gino Smith had some weird intercept interceptions too. one that was overturned that really probably shouldn't mm -hmm. have been um, just weird. But I think at the, at the end of the day, Seattle will be kicking themselves. Absolutely. They had an opportunity. No, they had lots of opportunities to put this game away, but they just kept the Raiders in it. They just couldn't capitalize. They couldn't score touchdowns when they had to. And the Raiders just kept at it. Credit to them. They didn't get flustered. You know, there's early turnovers that really could have gotten them down, but they just kept fighting. And Josh Jacobs had one of the best games for a running back that you can have. So, yeah, Seattle will be kicking themselves. Yeah, well, they they, they really would be. And uh, it's an interesting one for, for Vegas, I think. You sort of, they're such an imperfect team. You know, they, and, and in some ways, Jacko, sometimes I think, there's something very similar about the Raiders and the Seahawks in that the Seahawks are also an imperfect team. I just feel like they're infused with a bit of Pete Carroll, Geno Smith magic that they can play above the sum of their parts. They've got some talented pieces, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, um, Kenneth Walker at running back. They've got a couple of playmakers on defense. Like these teams shape up to me as kind of similarly built. It's just that it's all gone wrong for most of the season for the Raiders, um, where it's gone right for the Seahawks. Now, I, I said to you last week, I think it was, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, I feel like it's time to fade the Seahawks a little bit. A bit like the Giants, mm -hmm. they played above where we thought and they've had a very good season. But I, I expect that it's going to be tougher in the second half of the year. Their next six games are at Rams, probably a win. Carolina Panthers. Now, the Panthers have been feistier recently, but I don't think the Panthers are going to have the firepower necessarily to match it. But then you've got 49ers at the Chiefs and then home to the Jets. You finish with a home game against the Rams. I see... Two Rams games as wins, personally, unless something happens. I see the Panthers game as a win, but I see a very real situation where they could lose 49ers, Chiefs, and Jets. And then you're a nine and eight. Where are you at with this Seahawks team? Do you, do you, are you the same as me, or do you think they can still, you know, definitely take this division? Where, where are you at? I think I have a little more faith in Seattle. Mm. But at the same time, this game was a great reminder of while their defense is fun to watch at times, you know, they get turnovers, they've got a sneaky good pass rush, they play aggressive. They are also the example of why it's not always good to be aggressive on defense because they give up a lot of yards, they give up a lot of points, and it's a reminder of why they probably won't be as good as maybe I thought they would be. It was only a few weeks ago, I think, where I said that they would win the division. Um, and I think that's still a reality, but they've got to turn it around on defense. And I don't know if they have the capabilities to do that. And credit to the 49ers, they're just continuing to win games. And so I reckon they they probably they they, they probably stay ahead of Seattle. Um, but 
I think what is working in their favor is their offense. So if they can just continue to work on that defense, I, I think they'll be all right. Just maybe not the sort of um, the great team that maybe they looked like earlier in the year. Yeah. And for the Raiders, like, I guess there's a lot of people playing for their jobs in the second half of the season. I, their games, they've got Chargers at Rams, Patriots at Steelers, 49ers, Chiefs. There's, I, I just do not see a way where they put enough wins together in that stretch to backdoor the playoffs. You essentially need to go undefeated. You need to go 6-0 and to make a playoff run. I, I just don't. I don't see 9-8 and getting you into the AFC playoffs, given the teams that are ahead of you. You know, like when you look at those divisions where you've already got um, you know, the Bengals are already at seven four. The Ravens are already at seven and four. You know, those teams are both going to get minimum to nine and eight. You would think. Um, the the Colts are mm-hmm. out of it, but but then you've got the whole NFC East, so AFC East, where you've got everyone's eight and three, eight and three, seven and four, six and five. So everyone's already got at least a two game lead on the Raiders. So it's really playing for your job. It's for Josh, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels to, I, I suppose, prove his proof, you know, show his proof of concept. You know, this is what we're going to look like. Yeah. You know, the, these next six weeks, you know, the offense, we're going to get it humming. We're going to be fun to watch and, you know, we're going to win some games. Um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's careers on the line sort of thing, or at least Raiders' careers on the line for a few players, um, including at quarterback. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the Raiders, they, they have an opportunity to salvage something from the season. Definitely. You can just end the season with a few more wins. Your fan base isn't going to be as scathing. Maybe the front office isn't going to be as worried about the hires they've made. Um, but they've got to win. This can't just be a flash in the pan thing. They've got to continue to win. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I, I think that 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 back third of the year could be really important at Steelers, home 49ers, home Chiefs. You don't want to, definitely don't want to lose to Pittsburgh, but the Steelers are improving. And then you really don't want to end the season with the taste of being hammered by the 49ers and Chiefs if that was to ha- be how it would happen. Oh. That could leave a, a bit of a legacy, a 2022 legacy in, in ownership's mouth. Um, let's go and talk Cardinals and Chargers, Jacko. This game was kind of sort of fun, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the Chargers win 25 to 24. Um, Chargers impressive. They, an impressive finish from the Chargers who trailed uh, 17-24, driving to win the game um, late. They were the ones who had the ball last, and they put together a seven-play, 38-yard touchdown drive, finished with a two-point conversion to win it. There were some struggles for the Chargers. They started with three consecutive punts, punt, 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 then went touchdown, touchdown, field goal, and then they finished punt, 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 and a touchdown when it counted. The Cardinals just kind of messy. Started with a fumble that ended their drive, then went touchdown, field goal, interception. 
touchdown, a missed field goal, a touchdown, and they concluded the game in the fourth quarter going punt, punt, punt. Three consecutive um, three and outs to sort of finish the game and then the Hail Mary at the end to, to try and win it. Um, I don't know. I didn't get any great takeaways from this. Like Justin Herbert played well, 35 of 47, 274 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, the Chargers didn't run the ball particularly well. They only ran the ball total um, 13 times. Cardinals did a lot better at that, 120 yards on 25 carries for James Conner, but I found Kyler Murray was like erratic, 18 of 29 for 191, two touchdowns and a pick. What were your sort of big takeaways from this game? Can the Chargers backdoor the playoffs here? Did you see anything from them? Um, is Cliff Kingsbury on his way out next year? Where, where are you sort of at after watching this match? Yeah, I also don't have any major takeaways from this game. It felt like one of those games where neither team wanted to win until that final drive, and the Chargers were like, okay, we're just going to – we're actually going to put our foot down and win this game. So credit to them. Um, I don't know if the Chargers can do enough to get into the playoffs, again, because they're in the AFC. I think that's the, the difficulty for them because they're definitely not getting the division. That's totally out of the question. So it's about trying to like sneak in there. And I don't know, I think we've lost too many games and I still think, you know, you run the ball 13 times. That's not going to, that's not going to last. You got to be able to run the ball better than that 13 for 65 yards. So, and then Arizona just again, what are they? What are they? We said this when we're watching the game, they used to be fun. Why aren't they fun? For some reason, they are just depressing to watch. Both teams were, but Arizona in particular, there's just no identity. It's just snap the ball and freak out for Kyler Murray until he does something. Yeah, and like two turnovers for the Cardinals in a game that you lose by one point. I think that's something that I took away like from this game. Again, I haven't watched a heap of the Chargers this year because they've just been sort of floating on the edge of irrelevance this year. Um, so, you know, you're trying to track the teams that are, in the mix sort of thing. But, you know, something that struck me was like, Justin Herbert's a really fucking good quarterback. Like he's a really good quarterback and you can throw it 47 times with Justin Herbert and he's not going to turn it over and he's going to score three touchdowns. Um, You know, sometimes I feel like we're watching, you know, this, this, this beautiful athlete being saddled with a shit offense you know, there's so many times we're like, holy shit, he's going to be able to unload it here and go deep. And no, he's going to have to check it down because nothing's open. Um, and, but like, he's remarkable. Like he's still really fucking remarkable. He's thrown like 19 touchdowns, seven interceptions this year. So he's on pace, you know, to throw 30 touchdowns again this year. Um, uh, plenty of yards, 3,000 yards through, you know, the 11 games or whatever it is now. He's a really good quarterback and it's frustrating. You know, you sometimes look and uh, their defense frustrates me, the Chargers, because they are so talented, you know, and yet sometimes I just feel like they play. I, I thought the Cardinals in a lot of ways were the more impressive defense, you know, four sacks, you know, multiple QB hits. The the Chargers managed to hit Kyler Murray once 
one sack. Um, now they did get the takeaways and and that sort of thing, but I probably rated the Cardinals' offense as being uh, defense as being better. Yeah, I feel for Justin Herbert. I feel for him because he is a Super Bowl ready quarterback. That's just I don't know being held back by injury on his team, and then. I'm not a massive fan of the Brandon Staley experience so far. I'm, I'm pretty well documented in saying that. So, yeah, I'm with you. The, the Cardinals are out of it. They're playing for jobs. Um, the Chargers are ostensibly in it because they're only probably a game outside of the wild card race um, at six and five, but they're really pushing, um, you know, what, what I'm considering relevancy. Sort of thing, you know. Yeah, we're, we're, we're there pushing. are too many other teams that I rate in the yeah. AFC. Yeah, so unless they get it all together, I think yeah, it's probably a, a just miss the playoffs or might you know sneak into the playoffs and get banged in the first round or something. Um, let's talk some Packers and Eagles, Jacko. This was this was kind of a fun game, um, but probably looks closer on the scoreboard in some ways than it actually was um, that the Eagles sort of had this one relatively in hand, I, I, I would say kind of going into the fourth quarter. Um, they start the game. It was a fun start. The, the Eagles go touchdown, touchdown, turnover on downs, touchdown to start the game. And that was all in the first quarter. The, the Packers go interception, Touchdown, touchdown, interception. Like most of this scoring, I, I couldn't believe it. There was only quarter time. I was, I was like, oh, we must be approaching half time here. I was like, holy Jesus, this all happened in one quarter. Um, the Eagles defense clamped down after the second quarter touchdown. Um, you know, they forced a punt, end of half, a punt, a field goal. Eagles look pretty ruthless to me, Jacko. They ran the ball. Whenever they wanted to, they had um, over 300 yards on the ground, 363 yards on 49 carries for three touchdowns. Um, Jordan Love came in at the end of this game, played pretty well, six of nine, 113 yards and a touchdown. What were your sort of takeaways from this game? It, it pretty much seals the Packers' fate officially. And I don't know, I, I felt like it was a, a decent tick for a large number of areas for the Eagles. What, what about you? It felt like the game that if Green Bay was just a little better on defense, a little better on offense, could have been one of those underdog surprise wins. Like Philadelphia let them in early. I know Green Bay had those early turnovers, but it felt like ones where Philly loses, but it's because of a turnover. And Green Bay, you know, they pull out this amazing win, but they just couldn't do it. Um, I, I felt like Philadelphia overall was great. I think just the fumble they lost and not getting that fourth down quarterback sneak was really what let Green Bay in the game. I feel like if they remained clean throughout this game, it would not, it would not be anywhere near as close. Their ability to run the ball is just... It, it it's just so much fun to watch. It's just so much fun to watch. I love watching Philadelphia. Um, it, but it was a really fun game because, like I said, they stayed in it. 
They stayed in it. They stayed competitive. Um, they they created opportunities by creating those stops and getting those turnovers, but couldn't quite capitalize enough. But credit to them. Like you say, oh, it probably wasn't as close as the, as the scoreboard suggested, which is probably true in terms of the whole game. But at the end of the day, scored 33 points on Philadelphia um, and got within a touchdown. Like you wonder in another reality if that's Aaron Rodgers leading his team down the field to try and tie it at the end of the game as opposed to Jordan Love. Like there, there was an opportunity there to try and do something. Sorry, not to tie it. They were down 10, Love yeah. settled for a field goal. Imagine if that's Rodgers going down and he scores a touchdown, all of a sudden it's three points. Maybe you get some timeouts, get the ball back. Like Credit to Green Bay. I feel like even though they haven't been getting the wins, they've looked far better over the last month than they did earlier in the season. So um, it's, it's just a shame that for them it hasn't resulted in any kind of uh, yeah, any real results that you want. No no wins. Um, Philadelphia will be a little bit concerned that, again, gave up a lot of yards on the ground. Like, not a ton, but a lot of, like, yards per carry. Like, Green Bay rushed it just 21 times for 106 yards and a touchdown. Um, and overall, like, they got the turnovers, but the overall passing game for Green Bay was 17 of 25 for 253 yards. Like, you just similar for, for Green Bay. You imagine if they stayed clean this game and didn't turn the ball yeah. over, this could have been a very different result. So you feel like both teams made mistakes and so but Philadelphia was just a bit better. And so the seven point victory feels feels apt. Um so yeah, Green Bay season's over, even though Aaron Rodgers still believes that they can run the table and try and sneak into the playoffs. Um he's been on the on the record of saying that. Um in fact he, he reckons he's gonna play next week, which I don't know if that's the best move, um, but even though he reckons they can keep going and try and get a playoff spot, I think it's done. I think even if you win it, the rest of the games on your schedule, I feel like there are other teams in the NFC that would take that last, you know, seven seed um, and Philly just continue to to win. I don't think, I think teams know how to beat Philly though. Run the ball, be aggressive on defense. If you can get a few turnovers, and a few fumbles, which they've been doing of late, Philadelphia. They've been fumbling the ball a little bit. Maybe it's because of how much they run the ball. I don't know. Um, Philadelphia still probably is the best team in the NFC. But I think now you can see how to beat them. Because I feel like if Green Bay was just a bit better, they'd probably win that game. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's still imperfections. Um, interesting stat line. For Jalen Hurts, and I guess this is the, the benefit of having a quarterback who can run because on a day where he goes 16 of 28 for 153, two touchdowns, no picks, which is still, you know, it's 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 good. I didn't mm. think he, he played badly through the air, but he also picks up 157 yards on 17 carries. You, you know, so, and they just extended drives. The time of possession was 35 minutes, 35 and a half minutes to 24 and a half minutes. They went eight of 15 on third downs, 10 of 18 on drive extending downs. The Packers went two of eight on drive extending downs. The Packers were explosive. I think that's what was really um, surprising to see. They went they went over 10 yards an attempt through the air. Um, 
or at least 10, over 10 yards an attempt uh, in the passing game. Not all of that was through the air. They've, they've found mm. someone in Christian Watson, haven't they? It, you know, he went six targets, four catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. I, I just think he's I, I, like I think he's a star. I think he, they've they've hit on that. Yeah, he can be a number one. He can be that number one. He can be that Devontae Adams. Um, I think Rogers is going to push to play, but the situation they're in, if they go to, it's such a tough one. Like because I don't know, is Rogers there next year? It's such a hard thing as Green Bay. Like going, we want to kind of see what the future looks like. If you decide to retire. We've got six games here or five games, whatever it is, that we could play Jordan Love right now and see what he looks like. And I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he looked neat, composed. Um, he looked far better than he did last year when he yeah. came in and filled in for Rodgers. Like he looked, he almost looked like Rodgers, which mm. I think just goes to show how much he's been sitting behind Rodgers and watching him and soaking up all of this time. I really feel like. I get from an individual perspective why Rogers wants to play. If he feels like he can play, he wants to play. He's an NFL player. He's the quarterback. He's the captain. I get it. But at the same time, I feel like playoffs are out of the question. They are out of the question. No matter how much you want to convince yourself that you can somehow make it, it's not happening. It doesn't mean you can. You have to stop trying to win games, but the perspective is switched now. You've got a guy in Jordan Love. If you play him for the rest of the season, you say to Rogers, you're banged up, man. You've got all these injuries. You've got the thumb injury. you got this oblique injury. Like, you're just, mm. you're banged up and you're older. You're like 38 years old. Let's rest you for the rest of the season. Let Love play. If he's good, all right, if Jordan Love is good, you have two choices. Either you go, all right, Rogers, are you going to retire? What's going to happen? Like, you move on from Rogers. Either he retires as a Packer or he goes to 49ers or he goes to another team. And you have Jordan Love as your future quarterback, right? Because he because of the next six games or whatever, where you're like, he's good. If Jordan Love, or sorry, the other option, if Jordan Love is good, is you go, he's good, but we think that this year from Rogers was um, the outlier. We still think we can get him back to back-to-back MVP level. Um, and he's committed. We're committed to him. At least you can trade love with a bit of value. You're not going to get a ton, but maybe you get something back if you feel like you're in a win-now situation. You're like, last year was the outlier. Going into next season, we just need an extra player or two. Trade love for something and go ahead. Alternatively, if love is bad and he starts the next six games any shit, mm. great. You know that you don't have your future quarterback, so you try and make it work with Rogers until something else happens. So I feel like you've got all of these good options to choose from that result from the decision to play love. If you decide to play Rogers now and he just continues to play through these injuries, I feel like you're in a position of going, no one's going to trade for love because they don't know who he is. We don't want to risk it with love because we don't know if he's any good, but also we don't know if Rogers is going to stick around. There's so much unknown. Um, I feel like they should just let love play. That that's my feeling. Um, I don't know where you're at on it. On it. Oh, I, I think this is just hard to like. There's there's two perspectives to take into account, and and I think you're totally right from an organizational perspective. You're like, you know, you you're banged up. We're probably out of like. I think they're out of contention because they don't have the head to head against the Giants. 
they also don't have the heads of getting as the commanders do. They, I think they lost to Washington, didn't they? The Packers. From memory, I feel I like so. Yeah. So you don't have head to head against them. Um, you do have the head to head against the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are four wins ahead of you. Um, <laughs> you know, and you've got five games left. Um, you're not going to get in over any of the champions because that's how it works. Four champions will get in. There's three wild card, card spots. Two of them you don't have the head-to-head against. And if the Cowboys were to win the division and the Eagles go in as the s- secondary wild card, you don't have the head-to-head against the Eagles either. So I just, yeah, playoffs are done. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, there's, there's too little runway left for them. They've now played 12 games. The, the Giants have played 11. Um, uh, so... I, I just don't see it happening. So I'm with you organizationally, but there's no way in hell Aaron Rodgers wants his Green Bay Packers career to end sitting on the sideline, being benched because he's been told he's banged up and watching Jordan Love potentially blossom. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, 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 I get that. That is true, um, that he probably won't do that. But if we just step outside of football for a little bit, like... Hmm. Rogers is sort of known as being a bit of a, you know, a bit of a me, me, me guy, um, not being a super, like, like I think he's a good teammate, but he doesn't seem super humble. Like he has this, whether or not that's true, we don't know. I don't know the man. Mm. But the the interpretation from the interviews and the words that are spoken about him, he's got this image. Mm-hmm. Surely, whether it's to end your career or just end your career at Green Bay, or maybe, like I say, maybe you do actually continue on next year. But in this moment, do something selfless. Like just put yourself on the sideline for a young man in Jordan Love who is in the same position that you were under Brett Favre. Like you've been in this position, Rogers. How would you like it if Brett Favre, who's all banged up and can barely throw the ball and has been throwing interceptions all season, goes, no, I'm not going to let this young kid Rogers play because of my ego, I want to go out there and I want to continue to win, even though you're not winning and not give little Rogers a chance. Think back, Aaron, to your young days as a young quarterback and do the right thing for Jordan Love. I really do. I I, I know that athletes and people in general have a different look on it, but if I was in that position, I don't know, I, I would feel like you do the selfless thing. You go like, yeah, it's not great for my brand. Doesn't, it's not great for my ego, but I'm going to do the right thing here for a man in Jordan Love who is just hasn't been given an opportunity and I'm going to give him an opportunity because I'm not winning football games for my team and I'm not putting them in a good position. I'm going to do the right thing for the organization that I love in Green Bay and I'm going to do the right thing for Jordan because he deserves it. Was it weird to you that like people are saying like the Rogers is like terrible. The Rogers has had a terrible season. I, I really do not like agree with that like he's thrown 21 touchdowns and nine interceptions 2680 something yards like i really don't feel like he's been terrible he's had some terrible games but even those you know the interception games say he's only had two games this season with multiple interceptions it was the detroit lions where he threw three picks and it was this philly game where he threw two apart from that it's either no interceptions or one He's had four games this season where he's thrown one interception, 
two where he's thrown multiples and one, two, three, four, five, six other matches where he hasn't turned the ball over through the air. I really find it a weird narrative. And I've seen it a lot where people are like, oh, Rogers, he's like, he's, he's terrible. You know, he, he's just, he's killing the Packers. I really don't feel like that's the case. I really still think that Aaron Rodgers is a top half, definitely a top half of the league quarterback. Um, minimum. That's minimum. Um, and I, I fully get he's what you're He's only been terrible by his own standards. That's, yeah, by his own standards he's set. But exactly. he's actually been all right. In fact, I would only say the last two weeks he hasn't looked good. I feel, sorry, as in a couple of weeks ago since his injury, yeah. he's looked a bit off. But other mm. than that, he's been fine. And, you know, you still, uh, like, I can't remember when exactly the injury happened. Um, but, but you know, you look at, uh, like, 14 of 20 for 224 yards, three touchdowns, no picks against the Cowboys. You know, and I understand that they lost the game against Tennessee and he didn't play his greatest game, but, you know, he didn't turn the, again. Like, he's just, he's not terrible. Like, this, this weird narrative of, like, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are terrible because of Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are terrible because they can't consistently run the ball and they're blooding a lot of young wide receivers, and they are fucking decimated by injury. We read the 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 comparative injury reports out the other day, and it was like Packers had like fifteen guys on the injury report. The Eagles had one, so I get, I totally get where you're coming from, um, but I just think I I don't think it's in his DNA. I, I think he'll do the Brett Favre thing. That's what's always been funny about this situation is it's so like that situation with Favre. And, and Rogers and you know there was always like this idea that it was unfair and man Hall of Fame quarterbacks both lift their franchise up and at the end they always seem to do their best to kill them I think about this with Ben Roethlisberger and yeah. you know the Steelers should have drafted Jalen Hurts in 2020 but it was never going to fucking happen because Big Ben was there and they 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 do not accept their own the tick of time because there's an outlier like Tom Brady, who is playing, you know, pushing towards 50 and everyone thinks they can do it, but not everyone can. So it's um, horses for courses. And yeah, I, I think we're going to see Rogers roll out there by hook or by crook somehow, which um, yeah, like you said, it has, has big implications because they go into next year then going, well, we still don't really fucking know what Jordan Love is like. When the, exactly. when the bullets are live, we've got snippets, we've got glimpses. Um, let's finish out our main reviews, our recaps with the Steelers, my Steelers, uh, against the Colts uh, in Indianapolis. I was very happy with this Steelers performance. I'm another game, man, where the, the hate online after this game, the Steelers winning 24-17 of it. Oh, we've got to trade for a new quarterback. Oh, Kenny Pickett, he's, he's, he's terrible. Like this, this is stuff people are like saying. Like He's a first-year quarterback, and he just led a game-winning drive, converted a two-point attempt to get you to 24-17 to give you the cushion of a touchdown. He is not Patrick Mahomes. But he went 20 of 28 for 174, no touchdowns, no interceptions, six scrambles for 32 yards. I thought he used his legs decisively to pick up, you know, much needed yardage. Um, I thought he was much the better of the two quarterbacks in terms of decision-making. I thought Matt Ryan, you know, his, his age at times betrayed him and 
so did his arm. You know, he's picked off once. He should have been picked off multiple times. Um, and they're lucky they had Jonathan Taylor to lean on. Their defense stiffened after half time. The Steelers failed to capitalize in the red zone. That's a big thing. But man, my big takeaway is the Steelers are starting to remember how to run the fucking football. Benny Snell ran angrily. Anthony McFarlane Jr. ran angrily. Najee Harris ran okay. But the Steelers get 150-something rushing yards, 100 rushing yards again for the fourth week in a row. They're getting back to what makes Steelers football great. Um, And I can see a path where they're back to being a, a relevant team in 2023 because man they went 10 play drive field goal six play drive punt eight play drive field goal 10 play drive touchdown 12 play drive field goal and 11 play touchdown drive in the third quarter it's those long drives that are giving me a lot of hope as a Steelers fan and because it's now just a matter of relaxing in the red zone and finishing your work because this game really should have been three touchdowns on the board at halftime. They had opportunities. There was a, you know, some a, a throw to to Pickens in the corner of the end zone that was just too much. You know, it was it should have been a simple throw for a simple route and a simple touchdown. And, and Kenny did overthrow him. You know, and, and Pickens had to go at it with one hand. But man, I'm excited about this Steelers team. I'm excited about this Steelers team. I think there's so much young talent on offense to like. I think Kenny will come along. I think Kenny is exactly the quarterback the Jets would love to have. Someone who doesn't fuck it up and can make good decisions and is a, is a likable team player. And the Steelers defense is, is getting back to playing Steelers defense. I, I, I'm heartened by this, this game. Uh, impressed by the way they responded after the Colts hit the front late in the third quarter. Pickett in the offense drove straight down and got the lead back. So, um, yeah, I'm impressed. Did you have any thoughts coming out of this game as a neutral? Yeah, I feel like the youth that the Steelers have, like that triple threat, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Najee Harris, like maybe they're not great now, but they're showing glimpses, all three of them. And you just imagine if they can just, get a bit more time into them and maybe that'll be the, you know, they'll, they'll be the cornerstone of this, of this franchise, or at least one of those guys, if, you know, they might not all stick around, but mm. um, yeah, I thought it felt like, like I said, do you it felt like a bit of a coming out party for Kenny Pickett, you know, primetime game went out there game winning drive, uh, you know, didn't make any mistakes. He, look, he looked really efficient in what I saw and, um, I like the word you used about his scrambling, decisive. He seemed very decisive. Always looked like he wanted to throw before he went ahead and picked up the yards, which I think is a good sign for a quarterback who isn't a running quarterback. Like if you have a Lamar type, maybe yeah. you do want him to be a little more instinctual and just pick up those yards. But for a guy who's not a running quarterback, who's young and developing, I think that's a really good thing to see early on, even if it's just sub- subconscious, he's not even thinking about it. I think that's a really good sign that, when the play breaks down, he's still wanting to throw, still wanting to find a way to move the chains before going, okay, I'll use my legs and not relying on that. 
Um, yeah. So I think I think Pittsburgh's in a really good spot, um, and I don't understand why. Yeah, so many Pittsburgh fans are uh, up in arms about it. Um, and then for for Indianapolis, um, I, I won't say the Jeff Saturday experiment is over. Uh, absolutely, um, but I think this is the kind of game where you're like, I oh, guess probably would have been good to have a coach with some great kind of like game management experience to go in and like manage that fourth quarter a little bit better. Um, but they'll learn from it. I, I still feel like, I think there's a reality. I wouldn't bet on it. But I think there's a reality where they stick with Saturday if they continue to win. If they go 500 over the next few games, mm. um, I could see the Colts sticking with them because that would be a better ratio of games than they've been winning beforehand. So um, I feel like Indy would have liked to have won that game because they really could have. But Pittsburgh just did too much um, to like in their favor. Like you say, they ran the ball really well. Pickett was really efficient. And most importantly, didn't turn the ball over. When you've got a developing offense, just don't turn the ball over. And they didn't, and that's why they won. And time yeah. of possession should be said as well. 34 minutes compared to 25. Like another thing, like keep the ball in your hands. Don't give it to the other, to, to the other team. Score points. That's how you win yeah. football games. That's that's exactly right. That that is the brand of football the Steelers are trying to play. You know, it's in in some strange ways, it's much the same brand of ball that the Eagles are playing in, in a sense of like run the football. Now, Justin Herbert isn't uh, sorry, rather Kenny Pickett isn't a you know a runner like Lamar is, but he's got enough to scramble to 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 aid. Um, you know, when when there's nothing open in the passing game and you want to get back to having like the Steelers had 172 rushing yards um, against the Colts, which is massive. And, and like I said, they'd only rushed two times for 100 yards or more. Uh, I think it was in the first seven games of the season. And they've now rushed four back-to-back weeks of 100 plus yards. And, and you know, they've had some 144s. They've had 172. So that's the recipe and I thought the blocking makes a big difference. You could see that the run blocking was a lot better than it has been in previous seasons. Maybe that offensive line is finally starting to come together um, to be able to block the run game, which is massive, which is why, you know, Najee Harris was just banging into the line last year. And I wonder too, if he's picked up some bad habits in that sense. Um, and I'll be interested to see what his third season in the NFL looks like. He's obviously playing injured at the moment and and didn't finish this game out. So I'll be interested to see what 2023 looks like for Najee. But I, I felt like this game for mine was, this is exactly how I feel like this game would have gone if Frank Reich was in charge. This felt like an exactly the, tw- the way the 2022 Colts lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I, I don't feel like, playing hard was an issue. Like, you know, people are saying Jeff Saturday's got him motivated. I never really felt that the Colts didn't look motivated. I, I just always feel like there's been a difference in execution level between the offense and the defense, you know, where the, where the defense might put them in positions to win games and, you know, they, they couldn't come through and do it or it was always just uneven. And I think we're going to find out a lot. You and I said this after the Raiders game where they, they won that game with Jeff Saturday against the Raiders. Then they've lost to the Eagles in a close game, lost to the Steelers, which looked less convincing, I would say. They now go at Dallas by week 
at Vikings, home to the Chargers, at Giants, and finish with the Texans. So that's... Two wins, maybe? Chargers and Texans? Don't see them doing any more than that. No. And that's that, and that Chargers game is probably coin flip territory because the Chargers are still, they are still in the playoff hunt sort of thing. They've still got something to play for. So um, it could be in a yeah. win now situation by then. Definitely. So, yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there. All right. Let's, uh, do you have time to quickly whip around the other results, Jacko? Let's do it. Let's fucking clean this up. All right, let's start. Um, now, I'll let you pick first. You watched an extra game, um, I think a 40-minute version or something of, of one of these extra games. Did. So I'll let you take us to that one first. Where are you going? 60 seconds well, on the clock. Quickly, <laughs> yeah, just want to quickly talk about the Ravens and the Jags for about yeah. 60 seconds or so. Um, a game that we score-watched while we watched some other games and mm. were uh, collectively... Uh, mind boggled for how this result happened. So I was very curious to see how it all happened. And to be honest, again, another case of the Ravens probably being the better team, but not doing enough to put the game away. Um, They were messy, had a couple turnovers, ran the ball really well, which I think is a good sign for Baltimore. And they also threw the ball really well. Like they created a lot of offense, just couldn't score points. I think they opened the game with four field goals in a row. Like, that's not – you're not going to beat teams that way. And Jacksonville, credit to them, stayed in it um, and won the game on a two-point conversion to win it. Um, ballsy stuff by Doug Peterson. Jacksonville mm. might win some more games. I think if they can just – they remind me not so much in terms of wins, but just the way they play and where they're poised. Remind me a bit of Cincinnati in 2020. Mm. Generational quarterback, got some pieces, but not quite working and just not winning games. And then Cincinnati goes out and gets Jamar Chase and they make it to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying Jacksonville will be that next year, but they remind me of that. I feel like just, we've said it, we've said it before, get them a number one receiver and they win probably twice as many games and probably some better piece on defense too. Absolutely. I like it. It's good to see that Trevor is playing up to his potential. I'm, I'm excited for the Jags. Like the way this division is trending at the moment, like there's that opportunity for them to, to cycle up. Um, over the next few seasons with what they've already got in place and draft classes to come. I am going to talk about the Saints and the 49ers. Um, this was uh, the sort of storyline coming out of this game for me is, hey, the, the Saints defense showed up. I didn't think they had it in them. I said, this isn't, um, you know, Sean Payton's Saints team. But it turns out Dennis Allen still knows how to get that defense to play hard. The problem is when you don't have Sean Payton to scheme up, the offense and Andy Dalton went 18 of 29 for 204 yards. He was only sacked once, um, but they just couldn't run the ball. The The 49ers held them 63 yards on 22 carries. And look, while the 49ers weren't explosive necessarily, like they weren't dominant in the run game, they still had 96 yards on 29 carries. They had 20, 222 yards through the air for a touchdown. They didn't turn the ball over. The Saints turned it over twice. 49ers possessed the ball 34 and a half minutes to, to 25 and a half. So this was relatively speaking a, a very comfortable win. You know, like there's a lot of ways in which you can dominate a team 
and this looked to me, and like I said, I only scoreboard watched and box score scouted this, but a game in which the Saints lost by just 13 points, but they were never really necessarily in it because they couldn't get it done against the 49ers defense and the 49ers bank another really really important win the Saints two best drives came in the third quarter a 12 play drive which resulted in a missed field goal and a 12 play drive that resulted in a fumble so those are killers um when you're trying to have a game of these you know play a game at such fine margins Jacko could you please give us your thoughts on the narratives coming out of the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers where the Panthers triumphed 23 to 10. And I believe it was a late ish touchdown from the Broncos that made it that close. Denver is a mess. They, they don't go into next season with Hackett and Wilson. And they've got too much money in Wilson, so surely Hackett's yeah. gone. The fact that yeah. they haven't fired him already is crazy. I don't understand it. Just the season's over. You're not making playoffs. Like they are in the worst position in the NFL. Not just like in terms of like the team they are like going forward. They're in the worst position. Um, but we all know this. So I feel like I should just mention more about Carolina. Like they're going on a bit of a roll here. Who would have thought after getting rid of McCaffrey and getting rid of some other players as if to tank? They've, if not won games, have at least been competitive. Um, and Sam Darnold came to play in this game. So Carolina might be one of those teams where their season is done, but I don't know if I want to play them. <laughs> Man, well, well, as, as we've said before, though, like, Weirdly enough, Carolina's season's not done because I'm about to talk about the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the Cleveland Browns. And this Panthers team is third place in their division. But they're currently only a game behind Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay has, I believe, a couple, an extra game in hand. Tampa's only played the 11 games. Carolina's played 12. But they're only a game behind in the standings. They're only a game behind the Falcons who are in second place. Um, there is still mathematically something to play for in a really muddy division. Um, and they have to head-to-head with Tampa Bay too. That's right. And, and another chance to knock them off. Um, they, they've Now, look, I think they play some offenses that are going to have too much firepower for them. They've got at the Seahawks after their bye week. They're going to go to this. They're going to play the Steelers at home. That's a game that I think they will consider themselves to be in. Uh, they go play home against Detroit, and that's where I think the season starts to end. Really, is I think Detroit will have too much for them. I think Tampa Bay, like, yeah, it's going to be hard. But it's crazy to think that at four and eight, they are in the race for their division. They really are because they have a head to head against uh, the Bucks. They don't have a head-to-head, though, against the, the Falcons, which could make it tricky. The, well, they, they've split with the Falcons. They've split with the Falcons. So their last six wow. games, they've gone three and three under Steve Wilkes. So that's 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 good um, for, for Panthers. Good for Panthers fans. Um, but yeah, the, the Broncos, are, oof, that's rough. That's, that's rough. Um, I am going to talk about the... Oh, there's a lot. Lose my page. 
Um, I'm going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Cleveland Browns. Um, I took this game in the Sicko spreadsheet for the Bucs to cover three and a half points. I said the Bucs were going to go in and stomp on the Browns. I said the Browns weren't a particularly tough team. The Bucs are a tough team. Fuck, man. The Browns could really have been in this AFC North division if they had had enough wins on the board by the time they get Deshaun Watson back. As it is, they're four and seven and probably out of it. But they did a pretty good job limiting Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had no turnovers in this game. Cleveland had one. They like it's a bizarre game because the teams combined to go nine of thirty-two. On third down, they were not driving particularly well. But the Browns just found a way to win. Jacoby Brissett, 23 of 37 for 210 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Nick Chubb, the key, 26 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and Amari Cooper, probably his best game in a Cleveland uh, uniform, 12 targets, 7 catches, 94 yards. He was the leading receiver for them. Chris Godwin had a boatload of the ball for the for the Bucks, but it, the the Bucks kind of had this in hand. They were up seventeen to ten going into the final quarter. They were held scoreless. The Browns tied it up with a touchdown late, took it to overtime, and won the won the game in overtime on a Nick Chubb rush. So Browns deserved winners in this game. This Bucks team continues to be weird and unpredictable. Um, Jacko, give us a chat about the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington Commanders. What are your thoughts on this game as the Commanders come away with a 19-13 victory? Uh, Washington were a little lucky to win this game in the sense that uh, I didn't watch it, but I watched the some of the highlights and mm. Atlanta was driving to win the game, but ball was tipped at the line and Washington intercepted in the end zone and essentially won the game. Uh, but they've had a habit of doing that. And I was just curious. I was like, Washington's been on a bit of a run. I wonder like what it actually says. Washington has won six of their last seven games. Yep. They Since week six, they beat the Bears, beat the Packers, beat the Colts, lost to the Vikings in a very close one if not for a penalty on a field goal, probably win that game, beat Philadelphia, beat Houston, and beat Atlanta. And they go ahead and they face, if my computer will load, New York, the New York Giants in bye week, New York again, and then San Francisco. Um, so I feel like they're in a real opportunity. They have a real opportunity to go ahead and jump the Giants, especially playing the Giants in back-to-back weeks Yeah, if you discount the bye week in between. Um, I really do think Washington, uh, they look good. They, they've mm. looked good. They've done enough on defense. Um, they've done enough on offense. Like Taylor Heineke is, again, just doing enough. Who knows how long that lasts, doing enough, right? Sometimes you need to do more than just enough to win games, mm. especially if you get into the playoffs. But they're in a good spot. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, I'll move us on now with a look at the Dolphins and Texans. This game went about as I expected with, with the uh, Dolphins sort of doing as they pleased. It was 30 to nothing at halftime. Um, 
And thereafter, though, there was a bit of a rally from the Texans. And I don't know if it was more to do with, with the Dolphins putting the cue in the rack up 30 to nothing like, and, and not wanting to put 70 on another professional football organization or whether it was just a bit of a rally um, from Houston. They are, at the end of the day, professional football players. Kyle Allen had a disastrous start to this game, but played better in the second half. Um, the Texans were never really going to get truly close to Miami, who threw for 305 yards and a touchdown. Tua continues to operate that offense with ruthless efficiency. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, both getting 85 yards each. Uh, River Craycraft, 55 yards on four catches. Trent Sherfield threw 33 yards on a couple of catches. So the Dolphins train rolls on. The Houston Texans tank for the number one overall pick rolls on. So that's it kind of played out as as we thought it would. Comfortable win for the Dolphins, but they were held scoreless in the second half as the Texans played for some pride. Don't know if you're there, Jacko. Don't know if you can hear me. I can hear you. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So we might just, for some reason, I can't see you. But as long as you That's... can hear me, we might just proceed with this. So, all right, we've got one one more game. I just wanted your thoughts to finish on the the Rams and the Chiefs. Bryce Perkins made his debut, but it didn't seem to make much difference for the Rams as they go down twenty six to ten in Arrowhead. The Rams actually made more of this game than I think anyone would have given them credit for. <laughs> like. The, it was the Miami-Houston game. That was the one that was the real blowout of of, of the week where most people thought that maybe the Chiefs-Rams game would be. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, you know, Chiefs won comfortably, but by, you know, 16 points. So it's kind of more than comfortably. Don't really know what to say, think of the Rams. Like, you look at Bryce Perkins' um, stat line, 13-23, 100 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Like, it's all right, but... Honestly, if Stafford was playing and had that stat line this year, I also wouldn't be surprised. So I, I don't know how much of this can be blamed on injuries. I just think the Rams are... They, they've lost the motivation. They've lost the desire um, in a league where that's what pushes you forward. That's what get, gets you wins is that desire. Um, and talk about a team that has it. The, the Chiefs are... They're just going to keep rolling on. I, th- I think they're the best team in the league. Um, they've got the best quarterback in the league. Great defense. Great playmakers. and they also have injuries. So just imagine once they're healthy, I think that they'll be even more of a force to reckon with. Yeah, absolutely. Chiefs roll to nine and two and put themselves firmly in contention for that number one overall seed, um, which you love to see um, good football being played and Patrick Mahomes continues to play it. Um, even if he didn't throw as many touchdowns as you would normally expect from him. Isaiah Pacheco, 69 yards on 22 carries. Nice. Um, but the Chiefs continue to get it done. They slice and dice in all kinds of ways. So that is it. That is our recap uh, of NFL Sunday, Week 12. We will be back in your ear holes with a Week 13 preview show in the next few days. Until next time, guys, thanks so much for listening. Get some football up ya! Yeah.